the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Very excited about our interview today. My name is Jeremy Stonelecker. I am your host. And I've got an interview today with someone who probably is not new to you. My guest today is Dinesh D'Souza. We will be talking with him about his new film, 2000 Mules. And uh, it's an honor to talk to him, of course. But beyond that, this film is absolutely incredible. It's something that I highly, highly encourage you to watch. If I have any leverage with you at all, and you're watching or listening to this program, I hope that there's a little bit of leverage there. You need to, when this episode is done, go and download 2,000 Mules. Watch that with your family. So much incredible information. And really, this conversation comes with a call to action on the other side of it. There are some things that we need to do. Part of that is we need to be informed. I think most of us have a feeling that not everything was right during the course of, and it was a long course, the last election in 2000, we went through a presidential election. It was scheduled as usual. As usual, Things seemed to be moving along as usual. And then we went to bed and everything changed. If you're anything like me, you had one feeling about what the results would be when you went to bed and you were absolutely shocked with what had taken place while you were sleeping. And then the fight began. For several months, we argued over, I use that we very loosely, I didn't do much arguing, I did a lot of talking, but not a lot of arguing, but very influential and very powerful people did a lot of arguing about what had actually happened. Had there been fraud? If there was fraud, to what extent was that fraud? Was it enough to have actually changed the results of the election? If that happened, how did it happen? What was the mechanism? This was argued about for months. We came to the other side of the holidays, got into January, January 6th, an event that, I'm, again, I'm sure you're familiar with, took place. And then largely the folks who believed that something fraudulent had happened with the election were put in the camp of far-right conspirators. And so many, even on the right, pushed back or simply stopped talking about what could have happened And the phrase, we just need to move on, (laughs) became commonplace. I think many of us, though, look back and know that something not right took place. That's what Dinesh D'Souza's most recent film, it's going to be out in theaters even again this weekend, that's what it's about. It's about examining the accusation that something happened that shouldn't have happened. And this is so important. Again, we've talked about election integrity, we've talked about election fraud, we've talked about all of these issues on this show, but it is absolutely essential that we understand what is possible, we understand what looks like did take place, and we know what to do about it on the other side. And one of the huge arguments for those who call election fraud a conspiracy is that there's no smoking gun. This documentary is that smoking gun. 
If you've not watched documentaries produced by Dinesh D'Souza in the past, you need to go back and watch them. He's created some incredible content. And then beyond that, he has a daily podcast and produces other incredible content. But the arc of the story used in this film is absolutely incredible. It begins with the problem, the perceived problem. Brings in experts, presents evidence, draws conclusions from that evidence, and answers at least every question that I had along the way. Many of the questions that people will use to push back on content like this. This documentary is absolutely amazing. (laughs) And it's not just amazing in it was done really well, but it's amazing in that everyone you know should watch it. When we talk about navigating an ever-changing culture, we largely lose our power to navigate culture instead of just being pushed by culture if we cannot protect that sacred right that we as Americans have to vote. And this film speaks exactly to that. I am honored to be able to interview today Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, thank you so much for joining us uh, one more time. Such an important issue. Um, I just mentioned this to you, but I'm so grateful that you did the work on this documentary and and what it means, hopefully, to really the future of our country. But thank you for coming on and talking about it. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, I also want to um, credit True the Vote, the election intelligence organization. They did the heavy lifting with both the cell phone geotracking. They're the ones who obtained the video. Really, my role here was to critically evaluate what they had and then unfurl it in a narrative that made sense, because it's very important not just to have the data, but that the data be understandable to people and that it can be a spur to action. So kind of two questions together. First of all, what was it that caused you to want to run down this path and see uh, if what most of us felt had happened had actually happened? So what motivated you that way? And then when you discovered what True the Vote was working on, and my understanding is you've, you've had a relationship with them in the past, and so um, your friends, you know what they're working on, they're letting you know what they're working on. If they had not been doing that, so let's say True the Vote did not do this work, would you have still continued down this path? Where would that have led? No. In fact, I had gotten off the path uh, pretty much shortly after the 2020 election. Now, of course, like many people, I thought, wow, something seems off here, um, and it's kind of like you're, you know, missing a watch in your house, but you have no idea. Did you lose it? Did somebody steal it? You certainly don't want to go around making accusations. So my thought was that, you know, it's disturbing. There are all these anomalies, but mm. anomalies are not proof. An anomaly is just right. a strange event that might have a plausible explanation. Uh, similarly, I saw a number of examples of episodic fraud, but they weren't systematic fraud. Uh, and mm. so I was thinking, you know, that may be true, but it doesn't it wouldn't have tipped the balance in the election. So it was when I saw the through the vote data, I saw the work they did. I was fascinated by the cell phone geotracking. I'm like, wow, that's something I have some experience with. I go to a right. mall, I get a notification. There's a yeah, right. special. They happen to know it's at the store right across. How do they know <laughs> I'm there? So all right. of this is cool. But then when I saw the video surveillance evidence, mm. it got me thinking as a movie maker because I thought, wow, this is very cinematic. And, um, and you know, if you're going to make a film that's a whodunit or a crime film, you got to show the, the criminals in the act. And here we had yeah. it on video. 
Yeah. And one of the things that I appreciate about how you laid out the story, kind of the storyline or the story arc, is you you answer all the questions that I had as, as I was watching it. You present something, and then I'd have, because I'm cynical, I'd have a question about something, and, and you would answer that in the process of it. So uh, it really does lay everything out for anyone who wants to consider to, to take a look at and to consider the evidence. The weird thing was that when I you know partnered with Salem on this project, uh, Salem said to me, uh, you know, we would like to bring some of our hosts into the yeah. movie. And I <laughs> right. was thinking, oh, man, this is going to be really dull because we're going to have essentially like a CNN panel of pontificators. But right. <laughs> I then got the idea of making them part of the plot of the movie by mm. bringing them in and having them talk about what they know and don't know, taking sides, if you will, at the beginning, then showing the evidence and recording them spontaneously, reacting to it, asking questions. My thinking was the kind of questions that these people raise is going to be exactly the questions on the minds of the audience. And then finally have them see if they end up in the same place that they started, creating a kind of suspense. How are people going to assess this? And how is it going to make a difference in the way they think? And I think all of that actually enriched the plot of the movie by, by creating a dialogue about the movie inside the movie. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you and me. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com and use the promo code SITREP. Well, you had two, so you had uh, Charlie Kirk, Sebastian Gorka, um, Larry Elder and Dennis Prager on, and anyone who uh, follows, and, and Eric Metaxas, um, and anyone who follows Salem Media kind of knows their positions perhaps on this, if, if you follow their shows. And, and I, well, two, one, I think it was amazing that they were honest, first of all, as <laughs> you're asking this question, right? Larry Elder and Dennis Prager, both who have been somewhat skeptical, I don't know how deeply skeptical, but somewhat skeptical um, publicly, they've acknowledged something's wrong, we just don't know what that is. They were honest about that up front, and then going through this process, they looked at it and said, absolutely, something has to be done about this. And so, uh, man, what a, what a great way to pull all those folks in and, and get that reaction. And part of it was because of the process that you went through with the tracking, um, video, the rest of it. Can you spend some time talking about that? And again, everyone needs to watch the documentary. Um, but that's the heart of this thing, is the process that True the Vote went through to determine who was doing what and how much. Can you talk about that for a few minutes? Yeah, of course. Let me begin with the fact that True the Vote had an election hotline and a whistleblower came forward. This is, by the way, not in the movie. I'm going to tell this as a, like a preface to the movie. Yeah. Uh, a whistleblower came forward and basically said, you know, uh, I'm, I deliver these ballots. 
Uh, no one had even heard the term wow. mule. Catherine Engelberg yeah. coined that term, taking it from drug trafficking and sex trafficking. So this guy goes, I have this operation and I get paid $10 a ballot and I got paid even more in the runoffs in Georgia. And then True the Vote was like, man, I mean, are you the only enterprising guy like doing this? And he's like, are yeah. you kidding me? There's a whole operation. There's tons <laughs> right. of us. We all do it. We all get paid. And True the Vote was then like, wow, instead of taking the word of one guy, why don't we buy the cell phone geo-tracking data from October 1, early voting, all the way through Election Day, and then also in the runoffs. Let's buy all that data, and then let's use it to run a, a search algorithm for mules. A mule is just a paid operative delivering these illegal votes uh, who go to 10 or more drop boxes. And the idea mm. here was to eliminate any mistakes, any false positives. Right. Um, you set a very high bar because... You know, if you set the bar at two drop boxes, I mean, really, no one needs to go to two drop boxes at all. But one guy would come forward and say, well, you know, I went to a drop box, I dropped in my ballot, and I went past the second drop box, but I just had to tie my shoe right, right then and there, sure, so sure. you're wrongly counting me as a mule. So they don't yeah. want any of that nonsense, so they're like, okay, 10 drop boxes or more. Uh, and see, right here, you can see how this blows away. Some of the fact checkers are like, well, you know, Dinesh, in Georgia, you are allowed to deliver the votes <laughs> of your family members. And I'm like, well, yeah, but... You need to go to 10 drop boxes right. in the middle of the <laughs> 300 <night> times <laughs> to do that. This right. makes no sense. So right. that's the geo tracking side of it. And, and then there's the video side of it. Now, what makes the case so overwhelming is that the one supports the other. Uh, now, Ben Shapiro and others have said, you know, Dinesh, show me the same mule at multiple drop boxes. Mm. And I would answer, if there was surveillance video at all the drop boxes, I would show you the same mule at every drop box he went to. But here's the problem. Out of 10 drop boxes, what if there's video surveillance on only one? Then the cell phone places the person definitively yep. at all 10, but it shows that he got to number five at 2 a.m. in the morning, let's just say on the night before the election. I look on the video, there he is. What's he doing? Stuffing ballots. So yeah. yes, I, I admit that I don't I have all the footage I need, but it's not because of me. It's because a lot of these states violated the election rules and did not do what they said they were going to do and install video surveillance at all the drop boxes. The geotracking piece, um, interestingly, has been um, one of the pushbacks that you've received quite a bit. And I know you've even commented on this a little bit. What do you say to people who say, well, it's just it's not reliable. You can't use that. You explain this a little bit. You, you go very deep in the documentary. But how do you respond to those people who just dismiss it? Geotracking has a whole, it's, it's now a whole industry and it's a very sophisticated industry. It's relied upon by, um, by retailers who use it. I mean, they can tell not just that you're at CVS, they can tell which aisle you're in and what you're looking at. So yeah. they need this data. They've invested a lot of money in making this data extremely accurate and precise. Um, the Defense Department needs to use this kind of geotracking for precision targeting. The CDC mm. uses geotracking to figure out if people are social distancing. So think about that. If it's not accurate to within six feet, how could you do yeah. that? Um, yeah, right. Justice Roberts had a case in 2018. It's called the Carpenter case. And it was a privacy case essentially about geotracking. And Justice Roberts, surveying all the evidence, says geotracking is as the same level of accuracy as taking an ankle bracelet and sticking it on the foot of a prisoner and monitoring wow. his movements that way. It's that level of accuracy and precision. What's crazy, and I think the, the pushback on that is funny because, you know, I served in the Marine Corps. Um, I was in Iraq. I've got a lot of friends who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so much of the targeting of these high-value targets that was done 
was done through cell phones. And and the, the Department of Defense, as you said, and the military, I, I watched it happen. They were so confident that it was accurate that they would, you know, put a stinger missile through a window to take out a high-value target. That's how how sophisticated it was 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And things have changed even since then. Um, it, it seems to be a silly argument to me. But it's one, I guess, that people use to dismiss it. I mean, even take something as simple as find my phone. You take your phone and throw it into a field right, in tall right. grass. You say find my phone. Now, the fa- if the fact checkers are right, you would not be able to find your phone. Uh, the, the geo-tracking would simply put you in a radius of 30 feet or 30 meters. Mm. No, the geo-tracking will put you, it will take yes. you right to your phone. Uh, so these are just all different ways of seeing that this is a pathetic and very weak line of counter-argument. And let's remember, yeah. too, if you're trying to get a guy who goes to a Dropbox, you don't need precision within inches. You simply want sure. to show that he's within a few feet of the Dropbox. That's all. Yeah. I track my kids through this data <laughs> this, this way all the time. This is how I know where they are and what they're doing and when they're lying to me. So, yeah, it's extremely accurate. Um, what, a, what a fascinating way to approach this problem. Um, now, when you talk about this, geotracking, there's video surveillance, you extrapolated the numbers, and you even talk about how the numbers add up in a way that would have impacted the election. Are you suggesting that when we talk about fraud, this is all that happened? Or were there other things that happened? This is just the thing we can prove. Right. I'm, I'm simply saying that this is all we looked at. And, and remember, when I say looked at, uh, True the Vote only bought data, not even in whole states. They identified five so-called swing states, battleground states. And then they bought data in the greater Atlanta area, which covers three or four counties, They bought um, Phoenix and a little bit of Yuma. They bought Detroit area of Michigan, Milwaukee, and the greater Philadelphia area. That's it. So even if this type of fraud was going on, hey, if I was a fraudster, I would try it in Ohio. I would have tried it in Florida. Any state that you thought you could win, you try it. Now, maybe you didn't do enough to win, but there's no reason to believe the fraud is limited to these five areas of these five states. But that's the only place. It's almost like saying, I took my flashlight. I'm looking for ants. And I put it on three, five different places on my porch. Yeah. And I found ants in all five places. But yeah, you expect a lot more ants. And I'm not even saying there weren't other types of fraud. I'm simply uh, saying I focused on this one because it's effective, it's provable, it's observable, and it's enough. Yes. You spend uh, quite a bit of time talking about the, the funding source. And I think the conclusion that y- you, know, you came to in the documentary was, so there's enough money to run an operation like this. And we're talking about thousands and thousands of people across the country. Uh, one of the questions that came to my mind was, who is organizing it? For an operation like this, and if it is a cartel type of operation, we think of uh, you know, the mob or something, there has to be a person or a group of people that are the hub that's, that's directing what's happening. Uh, who, who is that or who do you think that is? Who, who's pulling the strings on it? Let me uh, disagree slightly in the sense that there is a difference between this and the mob to this degree. In, in, in the mob, I agree, you need a Don Corleone. You need the right. five families. You need the, right. you need the direct orders. So in that sense, you need a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual conspiracy, right? Right, sure, now, right. When you're dealing here with the Democrats on the left, I use what sometimes, well, what I want to call a coordination theory, which is like a conspiracy theory, but it's, it's a little more sophisticated. So think of it this way. Mark Zuckerberg puts a lot of money into the election, and his goal is to infiltrate the election offices, A, and B, 
ensure a multitude of drop boxes. Now, he mm. may know nothing about the mules, but he is making, he is facilitating the heist by, by paying for those drop boxes. Right. Number two, you have Stacey Abrams, you have Mark Elias, they're fighting tooth and nail in court, no voter ID, they, don't, they want to weaken the signature requirements, if the signatures don't really match, give the benefit of the doubt to the voter, they're enabling the heist. Again, I don't know if they know about the mules, but you notice how all these things are setting up the heist. Now, it doesn't mean the heist took place. I think where our movie really takes off is we show you the heist. We yeah, show it right. to you. And then right. we say, listen. And, and of course, some of the people, even people on our side who have disputed the movie, they're like, well, Dinesh, you know what? You haven't proven to me where he got the gun. I'm like, mm. yeah, but I'm showing you him discharging right. the gun. <laughs> right. He has the gun. Toys in the area. He could have got, I don't know which store he yeah, went to right. to get the gun. But right. I, when I show you the crime, I don't have an obligation to prove definitively where he got the gun. Right, right. An operation of this size, this is another question that I had and I've had, and I, I think one of the maybe the pushbacks from conservative people is an operation of this size would have had to have been observed. Now, you know, you even talk about this a little bit. There were people who observed it and even reported it and nothing was done. But how did conservatives, people on the right, political people on the right, not know this was happening? And if they did know it was happening, why didn't they do anything about it? And, and if they did know and didn't do anything about it, is that because they were complicit? Because they were also interested in affecting the outcome of the election. I know that's three questions, but maybe you can speak yeah, to that because it's so I, confusing. I, I, yeah, I don't think that the Republicans are in general complicit. By that, I mean, they, they're not like in it with the Democrats. Now, true, some of them were not entirely um, displeased to see Trump out of there. So they sure, had that yeah, kind sure. of motive that, you know what, it's probably not the worst thing in the world. Yes, there's that. But that's not the same thing as being complicit. Right. Now, um, with regard to the, um, the Republicans knowing about it, I think some of them knew about it on the small scale. We show in the film, for example, that they hired a, a cop and right. they asked him to watch the boxes. And he told them, look, I saw all this, all these shenanigans. So they knew about that. They might not have known the extent of it. Um, and uh, the, the, the key point, which is alluded to in the movie and touched on, but not developed, is the Republican psychology is to focus on the campaign. Yeah. The Democratic psychology is to focus on the election. So Republicans mm. are like, let's have a rally. Let's get the word out. Democrats are like, you know what? When the ballot goes into the drop box, who's going to take it out? Who's going to transport that ballot and to where? Who's going to open the bag? Who's going to open the envelope? Who's going to do the counting? They focus, they realize the importance of the actual mechanics of the election. Right. And I would argue that we, meaning the right, were slowly coming to the realization we cannot ignore that aspect of elections because otherwise elections can be, we can have all the message in the world and the election can be stolen from under our nose. I don't believe that every conservative uh, politician is above reproach. In fact, I think it's been demonstrated historically that they'll cheat as well. Um, is is what you just talked about, um, uh, conservatives or Republicans focus on the election and Democrats focus on the process, is that a philosophical position? Is that something that philosophically Democrats just look at this different? Or have Republicans just not come along to the point where they're willing to cheat or have the backing? or Why aren't Republicans cheating like Democrats, I guess is my question. 
Yeah, no, no, it's not a philosophical, it's more of a psychological point. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example on a smaller scale. So we have a movie out, right? And uh, 2000 Mules. Now, if yep. I were a Democrat, if I were Michael Moore, and I made this exact same movie about the 2016 election, how Trump stole the 2016 election, you know, there would be an immediate, literally atomic explosion right. of media right. coverage. Chuck Schumer would be all over it. Right. Nancy Pelosi <laughs> right. would be all over it. But by contrast, it's with Republicans. I'll talk to a Republican senator uh, and I'll say, hey, have you seen the movie? He goes, I've heard a number of things about 2000 Mules, Dinesh. Would you be kind <laughs> enough to send me a DVD? And I'm like, the movie's available for digital download. If your yeah. constituents are talking about it, why? So what I'm getting at here is the Republicans are really slow on the uptake. And even when they figure it out, they, uh, the full implications never dawn on them. So the full implications here are, okay, you know, if Lance Armstrong used illegal drugs and won the Tour de France eight times, he doesn't get to keep his medals, right? It's not yeah. just a matter of fixing the right. Tour de France the next right. time. You have to right. face the implications of this time. But Republicans, in that sense, I think, are, do not have the same ruthless savvy of the other side. That's the point, really, I want to make. Now, look, there was an election in 2018 in North Carolina that was overturned, uh, and a Republican was, was, was a cheater. Now, he wasn't really the cheater. He hired yeah, an operative right, who, right. Used, who learned his trade at the hands of the Democrats, then came <laughs> to work for the Republicans and basically helped Mark Harris get over the finishing line, and that election was overturned. So right there, you can see that when, when courts use the standard that's called but-for, meaning but-for the fraud, would the election have come out the same way? And when the answer is no... That's a reason to overturn an election. Uh, Dennis Prager said in response to the evidence that you presented to him, um, now that I know about this, I'll talk about this a lot more. I'm not even running for office. And so I'm an example of how people like me will get the message out. And yet we see people, you mentioned Ben Shapiro, there are many, many others who I respect as a conservative who have been a clarion voice for truth and conservatism that either dismiss this or want to just pretend like it never happened and move on. Why are so many who have the ability to be that platform, to trumpet it out there, we don't have the mainstream media, but we've got a lot of media. Why are so many people afraid to um, you know, be that bullhorn for what is provable and accessible? Yeah, I think there are a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, let me say that I don't, I welcome any sincere, intelligent criticism of the movie from the right sure, or from the left. You know, of so course. for example, when Ben says things, he raises questions. He says, for example, is it possible that you could have a legal vote that is merely delivered in an illegal mm. way? In other words, this isn't a dead guy voting, but yeah. this is a legitimate voter. But somehow these nonprofits got their hands on these ballots and they were sure. delivered illegally by the mules. Does that make it? So I'm, I, I discuss all of this on my podcast. These are legitimate questions. I welcome right. them. I, I'm not objecting to them. But I do think that for a lot of guys on the right, they, in part because of their sort of resistance to Trump, they went along with the left's most secure election in history narrative. Right, right. And, and remember that narrative was never really very solid because let's put aside the movie for a minute. It's the most secure election in history. How do you know that? Answer, well, you show me the fraud. Well, let's say I don't have any fraud. It right. still doesn't make it the most secure election in history. Have you done a comparison of 2020 with 2016, 2012, 2008? You haven't done that until you show <laughs> right. me the amount of fraud in all right. those elections and show me that 2020 had the least. 
You can't make that statement. But nevertheless, this kind of wall was erected and many conservatives went along with it and they don't want to look like fools. Just like Raffensperger in Georgia doesn't want to look like I'm the sheriff. I said that everything was okay. Now it turns out there was a big heist under my nose. I had no idea what was going on. I feel like an idiot. So some (laughs) of the resistance is just that kind of obstinate pride of not wanting to admit you know what? Trump was right after all. And I, Mr. Smart Intellectual Conservative, I was wrong. Right. Do you think that either from, you know, folks like that, but more specifically from the left and and this concerted effort to influence the election, to overturn the election results, is this about President Trump or is this about something else? And I, I think this is a central question that needs an answer, because if it's about Trump, then we don't have to worry about it again. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but it's about a person, and so that's the problem. Is it about him, or, or was this about something larger than President Trump? Well, I think for the left, it was about Trump. And I think, in fact, there is a, a feeling, even on the left, that I've picked up, not directly, but implicitly. It's sort of the feeling that, you know what, Dinesh? We know we stole it. But mm. you know what also, Dinesh? We were right to do it. Because this guy, Trump, is an enemy of democracy. He's an authoritarian. He's a he's a neo-fascist. Yeah. And so stealing it from him is not the same as stealing it from Reagan or stealing right. it from Bush. Right. So there are right. people on the left who very clearly have this point of view, although they're very reluctant to say it explicitly. Um, there's that going on. Um, but for the movie, if you see in the movie, so you know, we did not make Trump central in this movie. No, Even though Trump all. is all over it, he's been promoting it. But sure. I wanted to make it really clear that this is a movie about our democracy. The theft yeah. is not from Trump. The, the yep. theft is the theft of the votes of the American people. And unlike the movie Rigged, where there's a long interview of Trump running throughout yep. the, the, the movie, our movie has no interview with Trump. There are a few clips of Trump, but he probably occupies less than three minutes in the movie. And and it could be assumed, I I think, and you don't make this point, but it could be assumed that this is something that's been happening before. This is not new to the 2020 election. Well, it wasn't new to 2020, but it was ramped up in 2020 because of the changing of the rules made possible by COVID. uh, Has law enforcement done anything about some of the things that you pointed out? Have they responded? Um, And do you expect more response to take place in the next months and year? Well, I I don't have an expectation I'm watching with great interest. I don't expect, obviously, Democratic attorneys general or secretaries of state bringing into action. But there is Burnovich in Arizona. Uh, The sheriff of Yuma County has opened up a criminal investigation into ballot fraud directly based upon the evidence in the movie and supplied by True the Vote. That's great. In Georgia, Raffensperger has announced that based upon True the Vote's data, their geo-tracking, he's opened up an investigation. As I mentioned a moment ago, it's a little tricky in Georgia because both Raffensperger sure. and Brian Kemp were came out publicly on the other side. <laughs> Raffensperger right. had that spat with Trump. So I don't know how sincere they are about the investigation, but I think they at least recognize that this is valid evidence that does need to be looked at. When you look at all of the information that you presented and, uh, again, just so, so brilliantly done, the story told so well and so clear, you answer so many questions um, the last part of this for me is that, what do I do about this question? What would your advice be to someone who walks away from the documentary? They walk out of the theater, it's showing again this weekend. They walk out of the theater, they've sat in the living room with their families. And I think you can have a really down response, a negative response. Uh, honestly, when it finished, when I got done watching it, 
it finished, I felt bad for a minute. Like, well, then it's, then it's over. Then it's hopeless. Then what do we do? I know that's not the right answer. What would you want people to do in response to the documentary? Number one, I, I think you should use your influence to try to, I would say, wake up the sleepwalking GOP because our yeah. destiny is in our own hands. Republicans can easily insist upon certain basic things. For example, the election rules themselves call for surveillance on every Dropbox. So ideally, you might say, I just want one election day. I don't really want these Dropboxes. Yeah, we can have absentee voting in, in very limited cases. But we need to go back to the show up at the polls and cast your vote. And, and I'm sympathetic to that. But I also know these laws are made at the state level. In some yeah. cases, there are going to be drop boxes. There's no reason there shouldn't be eyes on them all the time. Right. Now, right. whole states didn't do that in 2020. Wisconsin, for example, there's no video at all. They said they would do it. They just didn't do it. You need yeah. to make them do it. Um, and then I would urge people just be more involved, become a poll worker, become a poll watcher. In other words, pay attention, not just to the campaign, but also to the election. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, the video has, or the documentary has done really well, and it's going to be back in theaters. Uh, can you talk uh, to folks about where they can watch it? Maybe in, th- in the theater, that would be ideal, but uh, also get it at home, share it out with people they care about. Yeah, a big weekend coming up uh, just this weekend, uh, May 20th. Um, and, you know, the, with a movie, any movie, the first weekend is really important because, quite right. frankly, we're in 400 theaters. We do well, we'll be in 500 or 600 yeah, theaters right, next right. week. So if you can, get your family together, get a group together, go see it. It's also a different experience to see it on, in, the, in the theater because you're seeing it with other people. You're seeing it on the big screen. This is a movie, by the way. It's a whodunit. It's made for the big screen. Right. So it's perfect to see it that way. But look, go to 2000mules.com. That's the website. By the way, that'll connect you to like Fandango. Adam, you can, you can put in your zip code. It'll tell you where it's playing near you. You awesome. buy your tickets that way. Or you can stream the movie or you can order DVDs. So there are five different ways to get the movie the good place to start is just the website, the number 2000, 2000meals.com. I'm sure everyone listening knows how to find you, but where would you like to point people to for your podcast and all of the other content that you produce? My podcast is just the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. Um, it is on Apple um, uh, Podcasts. It's also on Spotify. And then I post the video version of the podcast, both on YouTube and on Rumble. That's awesome. Dinesh D'Souza, thank you so much. Really, really honored to be able to speak with you. Thank you so much. A real pleasure. Yes, sir. I appreciate Dinesh's time today, of course, and more than that, producing this uh, documentary, this film, really pulling all these pieces together. True the Vote did so much of the heavy lifting, but pulling the story together and helping to understand or helping us to understand what it all means. And then those steps on the other side, that call to action. We have to take action when evidence like this is presented so often. And I think part of it is because we just were inundated with information. So often we consume something like this and then go, well, that was really bad and move on with our lives. Uh, Listen, our lives do not look the same going forward if we don't stand up and deal with what took place during the 2020 elections. So much evidence that must be addressed, and each one of us needs to do our part to make sure that it is. We're in the middle of midterm season. We're getting ready in just a couple of years. I mean, we're, we're in midterm season, and election season will just continue until the next presidential election. This is an issue for right now. What are you going to do in response to what you just saw. Make sure that you go and watch it this week. If there is a showing at a theater near you, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, go to SalemNow.com and you can find the downloadable version of that. Please support this film. It needs to get out to as many 
people as possible. Thank you for watching or listening to the Situation Report today. Really appreciate it. Uh, again, we do our best every single episode, three times a week, to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate this culture. This is just one example of that. We do this as often as we possibly can, trying to ask a question and get some answers to that question. And then on the other side, say, well, based on that information, what can we do? That's what this show is all about. And we hope that it will be a help to you. Make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcast platform. If you're not yet subscribed, subscribe right now. And then go over to YouTube. You can find The Situation Report on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search for The Situation Report, subscribe to our channel there, hit the notification bell, and uh, watch those videos. Huge archive of other content that we put there as well. Share that out. Leave us a comment. We would love to connect with you on YouTube. Again, thank you for watching and or listening. We will talk to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day.
We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all the planning and all the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, (laughs) the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you. Set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.